This show furnished by Key Light Counseling Center. Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. Although you'll be receiving valuable advice from our host, please remember this is not therapy. It does not replace a relationship with a qualified mental health professional. This is Dr. G, and we are here with The Solution. It's part of our Engaging Minds series. Every week, we like to ask a specific question to our audience, and then by the end of the show, we're going to try to find a solution to that question. So the question we're going to ask tonight is, how important is sex for a man? Now, when I asked that question to a lot of people, they looked at me and thought it was the most ridiculous question. But when you actually think about it, there's so many variables and complexities to it. And that's why I wanted to put together a panel so we can dig deeper and understand more about it. And I'm going to bring them on in a moment to... uh, Uh, comment on that question about how important is sex for a man but first i want to shout out to all our men out there and that's why we chose this show a happy father's day i know a lot of people are out there celebrating it's a great time for a lot of people but i also know this as a psychologist this can also be a very difficult day for a lot of people out there because maybe they didn't have a great relationship with their father it was a difficult time in their life so on days like today there could be issues of uh, depression or anxiety to come up and uh, i actually uh, was inspired uh, thinking about that cuz i saw the movie rocket man yesterday which is the story of elton john and his earlier years and his struggle with sobriety and in the movie there are these scenes where he talks about his relationship with his father and his father was very rejecting of him he didn't accept him from an early age and what we come to learn is because elton was gay his father could never really find a place to show any kind of affection or care for him and it caused a lot of rejection and this was definitely part of his Uh, let's say, trip in order to gain sobriety to deal with those difficult issues in his time. That was one example of how a difficult relationship with a father can really hurt someone. And again, I know there are people out there that have similar stories. And if you see the movie Rocket Man, it's quite an inspiration because we see how Elton was able to turn it around and really create this amazing life for himself. It was a struggle. It was difficult. And uh, as uh, as we learned, in the end, the irony is he ended up becoming a father himself with two children. And uh, I'm sure that's a very healing experience for him. So I want to inspire people. If you've had a difficult time with this day, there definitely is hope. And find a way to turn something that's difficult into your life, something that could be positive and life-changing and game-changing. So with that, uh, so happy Father's Day to everyone. I want to welcome my panel to the show. I'm going to bring them on right now. It is Kelly Holland. She is the CEO of Chick Media and founder of Tara, the Animal Rescue Alliance. She's also the former owner of Penthouse Magazine. Kelly, it's a welcome. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you on. We have Dr. Joshua Gonzalez. He's a sexual medicine specialist. Joshua, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Same. Thank you for having me. And uh, we also have Mark Hay. He is a freelance writer whose work can be read in Men's Health, Vice, Forbes.com, and many other publications. So, Mark, uh, it's great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start with a very simple question. I'm going to start with uh, Kelly. And uh, I definitely have an opinion about our topic for tonight, too. But as an expert, <laughs> given a lot of your history with Pentos Magazine, etc., and uh, your thoughts, how important is sex for a man? Look, it's a it's a primal biological motivator. It moves us in ways that we recognize, and I think it moves us in a lot of ways that we don't recognize. But we live in a time where it is increasingly conflicted. Uh, obviously, the Me Too movement is rewriting the rules of the game, and those books are being updated minute by minute, and men are trying to keep up with what those rules are. But I think there are deeper... Uh, more profound changes that have happened over the last 50 or 60 years as women have moved into the workforce uh, and become independent enough not to rely on the relationship for their survival. Uh, you know, for 125,000 years, we had this very simple social compact. <clears throat> and that, that compact was, I'm the guy, I'm going to go slay a bison on the plane, and you are going to cook that meat, and then we're going to have sex, and I'm going to have a child, and step, repeat, step, repeat with as many women as possible. When women started to move into the workforce in, in brutal numbers, let's say around World War II or after, and women were making money and becoming independent, they didn't need you to go slay the bison. They could go to they Whole Foods. They could go slay it themselves. Right. They could go slay it themselves by going to Whole Foods and buying get a it, right? Based <clears throat> exactly. Right. Exactly. So now you have to take on a different a different role. You have to be um, a mate that can help child rear and clean the house and hold my hair back when I'm throwing up in the toilet because I'm sick and listen to my bad jokes and on and on and on. And most importantly, and most threatening to men. You have to give me an orgasm because I don't need to fake it anymore because I don't need to fake it to have you support me and to support the children. So I can go have sex with the guy down the street if you're not fulfilling that. Well, that is that is incredibly threatening. That's a huge pressure for men, and they have to reorient everything they're doing. Well, the whole concept of, yeah, the whole concept of what masculinity is. <laughs> you know, We've done shows here about toxic masculinity sure. and redefining how men see themselves. So I, I definitely see what you're saying is that um, I actually think it's a really good thing. I think it's gonna it's yeah, gonna really, be difficult. Why would you, why Josh? Well, I just Dr. think it. Gonzalez. It. it um, I think it's good for men to reevaluate uh, what their role is as a as a sexual being, and I think that some of the most fulfilling um, parts of a sexual relationship are when the other person is equally involved. And so I think, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that men are being forced to kind of rethink what their role is in the bedroom. Um, of course, there are some downsides uh, with with any movement. It can be used um, for good and for, and for um, malicious purposes. So um, there's a fine line to walk, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing that men are being forced to kind of reevaluate. It's not a bad thing, but look, Men are being asked now to uh, 
to move to a cultural reorientation and an intellectual reorientation, but you've got 125,000 years of evolution sitting in that reptile brain. So it puts men in conflict. That's all. Yeah, no, I I agree Mm. with that. And Mark, I know you do a lot of writing about uh, men's issues. I'm curious what you have to say about what we're talking about. Yeah, well, I guess I'd start by saying that I'm fundamentally not very fond of the evolutionary arguments about the uh, the hardwiring of men's brains for sex. Uh, I, this is something that I've done a fair amount of research on recently and keeps coming up in my writing over the years. And we just have so many examples of societies throughout human history, so many examples of our near ancestors in the evolutionary chain for which the simple narratives about, you know, slaying the bison or the the differentiation of child rearing and the relationship between uh, intimacy and sex and the roles for men and women were so different than the script that we've all started to take as the the natural equation or the fundamental equation of men and women relating to each other and relating to sex up until the near recent past. You know, I'd be curious to hear what my audience feels, too. So if you want to call in and comment about what we're talking about, uh, the subject is how important is sex for a man? Our number is 1-800-222-5222. You can also email us at engage790 at gmail.com. That is engage790 at gmail.com. You know, I I wanted to share a a quick uh, anecdotal story. We have about two minutes, but I'm thinking, you know, I've done a lot of work with patients who are surviving from cancer, and there's one gentleman I'm thinking of, and because of his issues around cancer, he wasn't able to uh, have an erection anymore, and it affected his relationship a great deal, and he and his wife did some therapy, and eventually they got to the place where... Uh, you know, a lot of the intimacy and a lot of the hugging and a lot of the caring that they were able to give for each other was very satisfactory. And they had to redefine that whole concept of what sex was. And it really made him redefine also the concept of what masculinity was. So um, I'm just going to throw that on wonder, you know, what you think about that, that Again, that opens up the territory that masculinity can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, I'm oh, yeah. I'm I'm sorry, Mark, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was just going to comment that I think one of the most beneficial things that I've ever experienced or learned has been reporting on the way that men with spinal cord injuries who often have no sensation in their genitals whatsoever. Uh, below a certain point in their waist, much less function, uh, learn to navigate sex, sexuality, and intimacy. And finding that, you know, for men, trying to focus all of our concept about sexuality and physical intimacy into the Mark, we're going to, yeah, we're going to have to take a break right now, but I want to get back to you when we return from commercials and hear what you have to say. So if you want to call in and talk to us about how important you feel sex is for a man, the number is 1-800-222-5222, or you can email us at engage790 at gmail.com. I'm Dr. G. I'll be back right after the commercials. You're listening to The Solution with Dr. G and Dr. Damon Raskin. 
I'm Dr. G, and we're back with the solution. Unfortunately, Dr. Raskin wasn't able to be here tonight. He's with his family celebrating Father's Day. So I want to give him a shout-out and say happy Father's Day, Damon. We miss you on the show. But uh, back to our fantastic panel. We are talking about the concept of how important is sex for a man. And what I'm starting to learn is uh, really how complex this topic is and how rich and uh, diverse it is as far as dealing with emotional intimacy, uh, physical needs. Uh, as my panel and I were talking about, you know, the concept of how some of us believe men are hardwired differently than women. So I. Kelly, I want to bring her back on. She had something very inter interesting to say at the break around um, sort of intimacy, men, masculine, and Me Too movement, I mean, and Disney. Let's not leave out Disney oh, in Disney. this whole talk. <laughs> no, I mean, look, the, the, the wonderful thing that has happened over the last uh, right. you know, 100 years, let's say, or more, certainly more um, focused over the last uh, 20 years in our dialogue is that we now define sex in a broader way and we've coupled it with intimacy and emotional in intimacy and we can commonly have those conversations. I just don't believe historically that was where we were at any more than uh, as we were talking the the notion of romantic love is a relatively new emotion I mean it's a relatively new concept over the last couple of hundred years that that's evolved. So I think that that is where we are at but I believe that even um, emotional intimacy can sometimes be in conflict with our sexual desires and our sexual drives. I mean, obviously, this society is predicated, for the most part, I'm talking about in the United States, uh, on monogamy, right? Which is not, that's not what we are genetically wired to do. And so we're in constant conflict. Relationships are in constant conflict because there's always an expectation in a relation, not always, but generally, an expectation of monogamy, which is not a natural state of affairs for us, long-term monogamy. Uh, Disney sold us this concept, right, that that it was, you know, we would fall in love and, and sex would be brilliant and we would be ha we would live happily ever after. But, of course, Disney doesn't do the movie where, you know, yeah, Cinderella is, a, is 60 and, we, right. and, you know, uh, and, uh, and, Prince Charm Prince. and Prince Charming is on uh, Viagra, right? right so right, we don't right. have that story. Yeah, and also, and also, you know, the, uh, that Prince Charming has to pay a mortgage and has two jobs yeah. and doesn't have the energy for sex, etc. But um, I, I want to, you know, at the break, Dr. Gonzalez, you were talking a little bit about how this may be different, uh, this concept, let's say, in the gay community. So I wonder if you can sure. comment on that. Yeah, I mean, I just think that um, so far w the discussion that we've been having sort of, you know, going back to even the evolutionary perspective, you're... you're um, understanding sex as being between a man and a woman. And so how does that, how does our concept of the importance of sex in a man differ when you're talking about gay men? Um, and this is applicable to the same conversation that we were just having about the Me Too movement. I mean, that's obviously affecting not just um, groups of heterosexual men, but uh, there have been a few gay men who have been accused of uh, inappropriate behavior. And so what does that do to the gay man's identity in terms of how he views himself as a sexual being? And does that change the way he may interact with potential partners? Um, and what is your opinion about that? Any thoughts around it? I mean, again, and Mark, feel free to jump in anytime you want. I think it is, again, not not a bad thing to have um, gay men maybe rethink how they are um, approaching potential partners and how, you know, it, it's all about sort of boundaries and and um, I don't think that it necessarily differs in that sense between heterosexual men and gay men I just think that 
concepts of sexuality in general in the gay community. Maybe, you know, gay men historically have been allowed to be more sexually free, more liberated. Maybe certain behaviors are more acceptable in the community. And so does it does it become harder for gay men to sort of police themselves um, in this way? Well, it's interesting, you know, as gay men are allowed to legally be married now, you know, I meet younger gay men as a psychologist and they'll say, oh, I'm engaged. Right. And I start to think, well, that's such an interesting concept because you never really would have heard that even 20 years ago. So I almost see it as a psychologist that there's this movement towards a little bit towards monogamy right. because I'm engaged now and this is the person I'm going to be with. And, you know, we want to get married and have kids. So it seems to be a Again, I'm only basing it on some of my experience in my practice, but it seems to be an interesting uh, sort of trend and phenomenon I'm finding. Do you think Do you think the expectation of monogamy is as high in gay relationships as it is? No, in, no, no, it's not. Not with no. anyone that no. I know, no. right? No, <laughs> it's more. It's frowned upon. Well, actually. well you know, <laughs> yes, which, yeah, which like, is which is a much healthier consider, situation, right? But you know, that brings and and Mark, Mark, what are your thoughts on this? I know you've again, you've written a lot of articles about uh, sexuality. Well, I try not to speculate too much on the gay community, much as I do have contacts within it. I don't think that there's honestly been enough research or writing about how the Me Too movement has affected that community. So that's that's one area where I don't like to speculate all that much. About. What about in the heterosexual community? In the heterosexual community, well, I think we've said a little bit uh, on this program so far about the forced reevaluation for men. Uh, I honestly think that men second-guessing themselves about approaching somebody or how they approach somebody is a good thing. It's an uncomfortable thing for a lot of men, but it's necessary. It opens a door for them to reconsider the education they maybe didn't get about consent or about uh, how to broach sex or negotiate sex. And if they can have that discomfort, that's a place for learning. And hopefully they can go out and get that education in consent and communication. Yeah, I think having uh, discomfort is actually a good thing if you could tolerate it. So if you want to call in, if you want to ask any of my panel questions about, uh, you know, your thoughts or feelings around sex for a man, our number is 1-800-222-5222. You can email us at engage790 at gmail.com. And we'd love to uh, hear what you have to say. Uh, go ahead, Kelly. You go. know, I was just going to say, uh, uh, in relationship to what Mark, what Mark was talking about, um, you can sometimes see the depth and strength of a movement. And I'm talking about men stepping up to um, to um, answer the Me Too movement uh, in in the pushback to the Me Too movement, right? So you see the incel movement, for for example, mm -hmm. as, as an example. But I can tell you in the history of pornography as well, uh, when I first started in that business, let's say 20 years ago, you didn't have the really misogynistic pornography that you had perhaps 10 years ago. And I always felt that that misogyny, that really extreme misogyny, uh, was a pushback to the sons and the grandsons of um, women who had moved into the feminist movement, and it was their it was their response it was the, the to male feeling reaction, yeah the it was their response to to, to the discomfort of being some, of being somewhat emasculated, and yes, yeah. now you see the incel movement is the response to to 
also, I think, not the incel movement's been around even before the Me Too movement, but I think it's a response to the power of women in the in sexually, their power in the culture. You know, you know I'm thinking about explicitly, isn't it? Yes. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, explicitly. I mean, m- many of these incel forms, if you have the uh, patience to sort through them, it's very much directly critiquing not just the Me Too movement, but feminism overall, the idea that women would have any sort of sexual agency or choice in who they are partnered with is almost abhorrent to this movement. It's 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 the uber uh, sort of manifestation of, of the pushback that you were identifying in, say, the Max Hardcore style gonzo mm-hmm. pornography. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about is, um, again, as a psychologist, I think that because there's so much more openness about sex, you know, I I hear men in my practice experimenting more with with kink sex and other forms of sex, both in and out of their relationship. So I think the expression of sex a lot of times in those ways also expresses certain internal psychological states that when done safely can be very empowering for men. And uh, I... Again, I think that's one way sex is very important for men is it allows them to express certain feelings, thoughts, emotions, mental states that maybe they couldn't express in other ways or if they were. Go ahead. Well, I will bring up one thing here. You talk about the exploration of of kink. One thing beyond that or parallel to that that that's probably worth bringing up is that there's been a bit of writing recently about the increasing phenomena of self-avowedly straight men, men who think of themselves primarily as heterosexual, who are having more hookups with other men, with other self-avowedly straight men. And they seem to indicate that they're doing that because that sexual context allows them to engage in behaviors that they feel like they can't engage in with the sexual script that they're used to with a female partner. So I think that is perhaps an interesting thing to unpack. Uh, Kelly, any feelings about that? <laughs> no, I, no, I find that really, I find that really interesting. And I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's a bit of a parallel to this, but not in response to what Mark said. Uh, I, we used to do a lot of research when I was at Playgirl and then, and then later when I was at Penthouse about what women wanted to watch. Uh, Penthouse had a big, broad, surprisingly, uh, women, uh, base of women uh, that um, were interested in Penthouse Letters and Penthouse Forum. Forty uh, percent of the readers of that magazine were women. And when we would say, what kind of pornography do you like to watch? One thing that was really high on the list was gay. They like to watch gay pornography. And I, I've, I've, to this day, continued to ask people and try to break that down as to what that was. And what I felt, what I intuitively feel, is that they loved how primal it was and that they could watch that without projecting into it and feeling that in that same primalism, they would have been, that would have been assaultive, sexually assaultive mm-hmm. to them. Mark, what do you think? I mean, I, I'd love actually, your opinion on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I do want to hear everyone's opinion about that. That's great. We're getting into some interesting stuff. Uh, But we're going to have to take a break. Oh, gosh. (laughs) When you come back, You know, always when you get to the great moments about kink and gay sex and everything (laughs) like that, then we got to take a break. I'm Dr. G. We're going to be back right after the commercials. The number is 1-800-222-5222. We're talking about this concept about how important is sex for a man. Be right back after the commercials. (laughs) 
Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. You're listening to The Solution with Dr. G and Dr. Damon Raskin. I'm Dr. G. We're back with The Solution. As I said before, Dr. Raskin isn't here tonight. He's celebrating Father's Day with his family. Our question that we're asking tonight on The Solution is, how important is sex for a man? And what I'm learning is really how complex this question is. It seems like it's very simple, but it's actually very complex because the definition of what men are and what masculinity is and how it's represented in their relationships, whether you're heterosexual or gay or LGBTQ+, plus, because there's so <laughs> many versions uh, right now that I uh, I want to respect them all. I just can't get them all in, but... So whenever you ask this question, I want you to think, really, we're just touching on the complexity, and uh, complexity is actually a very good thing. And as Mark said, if we could tolerate some of the ambiguity and some of the uncomfortableness, we might actually be able to make some real changes. Uh, Kelly, before the break, we were talking a little bit about, well, I had mentioned something about how I thought, um, let's say, um, you know, the dialogue that we're creating or pornography, et cetera, for men can be a healthy thing because it allows them ex to explore some fantasies or some kink in ways that are almost, uh, I, I want to say almost instructional, but in a very safe way. And then you can explore it in real life. So a lot of times those personal feelings, emotions, things that people are experiencing can be expressed through sex. So I'm wondering what you guys thought about it. And you had some interesting things to say, Kelly, and it had nothing to do with Disney. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if we get into pornography, I mean, I think it, it serves many purposes. I think it has some some social cost, but I think it, some of it has social cost, but I think it also serves many purposes because it validates people's lives and their fantasies and uh, affirms those things. Uh, we were talking about the difference between pornography for men and pornography for women. I think um, the reason that there's not a lot of pornography, particularly or specifically for women, is just, just that's, a, that's a factor of the marketplace. It's just you can't support it. There's not enough women that watch pornography. And you get into, okay, what, what is women are hardwired differently as I, far as I, I believe their that erotic nature? Yeah, their, their eroticism comes more from, you know, it's more between their ears, as we like to say, as, between, as, as opposed to between their legs, because um, we know that they, they um, rely more strongly on erotic literature. Um, and when you talk about visuals, we were talking about the fact that women like, you know, if you believe that women like these kind of, you know, airy, um, you know, sweet sort of things, that was not our experience when we were producing for, for Playgirl and for Penthouse. They liked very intense, very passionate sex and they like gay sex. That's what we were talking about is maybe it was the raw, the raw sexuality of gay sex that that allowed them to um, to to be really turned on by that, uh, without right. the onus of of um, assault, right? Sexual assault. So I think that's well, where we left I, off. I wanted to jump in on that. Sure, if you Mark. Don't mind. 
which is this this idea that you know as you were saying this idea that women are maybe not hardwired to uh, enjoy pornography or don't consume it at the same rates i've always wondered how much of that is just about the audience that pornographers initially decided to market to as far back as the stag era in the early 1900s and how much of the pornography that was created was just geared towards, and I know it's a kind of fraught term, but the male gaze, the idea that a lot of it is structured around uh, symbolizing male pleasure or the male viewpoint during sex. And then when you give women something like man-on-men porn, you give them an opportunity not to be conscious about the idea that that porn is entirely focused on how men might see them in traditional sexual encounters or reactive to the feminist movement, sexual encounters, and more on just intimacy and desire with all that freighting taken away. And then Mm -hmm. if you think about the new types of pornography that are being created by uh, indie pornographers today, Mm -hmm. people like uh, Shine Louise Houston or Erica Lust or someone like that, it does seem to be getting a much larger female audience than in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, folks will say that, uh, women are uh, substantially larger uh, porn consumers now than they were in the past. And some of that may be changing social views. And some of that may just be around pornographers finding ways of depicting sex that aren't geared towards pre-existing narratives and aren't geared towards a male audience. And how does that challenge our view that there is some substantial hardwiring difference in women Versus the idea that maybe we've just been creating cultural products that have reinforced whatever slight difference might have been there. Well, I think it's a bit of an argument around nature versus nurture a little bit about how people are hardwired. But I want to throw out our number. It's 1-800-222-5222. And um, we have a caller, Pete from Pasadena. I want to bring him on, let our uh, panel address his question. So first off, Pete, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. And thank you for addressing this subject matter, because um, as much as people don't admit it, a lot of people watch porno, but hardly anybody will admit that they do that. And there's a lot of guilt feelings behind that. And that's why I'm calling you, because um, myself, I'm 66 years old and I had prostate cancer. My prostate was removed and uh, with the cancer. And uh, so I have the erectile dysfunctional problem. And I've heard it that uh, because I'm trying everything to make it come around. My wife is younger than I am, and I think it's unfair for me to take that from her life. At the same time, I don't want to see her go out and cheat on me. So, And I opened the door to find out what I could do about this ED problem. And, man, it's like the universe, the pills, the shots, needles, everything. But Pete, let me actually let me actually cut you off for a second. I'm going to ask Dr. Gonzalez to come on because he's an expert in male sexual disorder, and I think he can address some of those issues. And then we'll also talk about how you've been able to use pornography in a positive way. Hey, Pete, thanks for calling. Um, so you know you That's you are bringing up a really good um, important topic for men who are survivors of cancer, uh, especially when those uh, the treatments for those cancers affect their sexual health. Um, so. Erectile dysfunction is a really common occurrence after the kind of surgery that you had. Um, and I treat a lot of patients who have 
have have beaten prostate cancer and now want to sort of go on with their life, want to regain the, their quality of life, want to regain sexual intimacy with their partners and feel lost, right. like they have no chance at doing that. And what I will tell you is that there is a solution um, in some shape or form for every man who's had a prostatectomy who has erectile dysfunction. So you brought up some of the possible treatments, the pills, the injections. There's um, surgical options. Uh, you just need to see a provider uh, who specializes in this kind of thing and is willing to sort of work with you to figure out what exactly the problem is, uh, you know, whether it's a problem of your blood flow or possibly the nerves that were damaged during the, the surgery. Um, but basically, they need to give you a proper diagnosis. And then once you are diagnosed appropriately, then you can talk about solutions. And, and right, also, this, 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 go ahead, Pete. Yeah. I wanted to ask him a question, though. This is where I was going with this. If you watch a lot of porno, they say, because I'm trying to re-stimulate myself, you know, they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I started getting into the porno, and uh, I've heard a lot of adverse information on that. Like, if you watch a lot of porno, you lose your your uh, thinking and concentration, and your mind just starts to deteriorate into a being confused person, uh, neurotic. And I'm like, what? Just well, no, I, I, well, I can tell you is... I don't believe that's true as a psychologist. Now, people can be, develop an addiction to pornography, which is like a behavioral addiction. You can develop it towards anything. And the basic premise of that is that it's just taking over way too much time in your life. And you're not dealing with some emotional issues by, uh, let's say, you know, watching a lot of pornography. But I believe, and I'll ask our other panel to chime in too, that the watching of pornography itself uh, does not I don't think it's a create thing. any kind of psychotic uh, uh, or, or intense neurotic behavior. If anything, it probably creates some pleasure. So, yeah. well, Kelly, Pete, Pete real what? quick, um, I just wanted to say, you know, the I think that you you sound motivated to regain your erectile function, which I think is the most important part. Uh, you sound motivated Absolutely. to want to re-engage in intimacy with your partner, which is really, really important. But yes. the pornography may not be enough. You may actually need to see a doctor and talk about real medical options, possibly even surgical options, so that you can become functional as quickly as possible. Because you you were correct yeah. that if you don't if you don't use it, you lose it. But um, you may need you may need some medical help also. But but Pete, in the interim, you have lots of options for intimacy exactly. with I was your wife. Of that. And, and I, I, I won't pry into your personal life, but I hope that you're still engaged with her because there are lots of ways to pleasure your wife uh, and uh, some of them as alternatives to, to traditional intercourse may actually be more interesting for her. So, well, and I'll throw yeah. in here. Sorry. Yeah, we'll yes. No, no, go ahead. Our, I'll throw in here that Mark, go ahead. Well, even for you, Pete, uh, the, the idea, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but we didn't get to fully develop it. The idea that everything about intimacy and being intimate with your wife and even experiencing physical pleasure or sexual pleasure for yourself doesn't have to be centered on that erection. Sure, it may be a wonderful thing to have and a very important thing, but you know, I have come across many men who are able to have uh, 
psychosomatic orgasms without an erection or without even penile stimulation. One man who claimed to be able to do it just through uh, careful stimulation of his neck and other erogenous zones that men have that we do not explore often enough. It's not all centered within, within the penis. Yeah, so Pete, I want to thank you very much for calling in. I really appreciate it, and I hope we've been able to... You're welcome. Give you some enlightening information. And again, we appreciate you listening to the show and calling in. Absolutely. Thank you. So um, I I wanted to... (laughs) Well, again, that was such an interesting answer, a question, because it talked about so much about what we were talking about on the show right now. But um, again, this part of... um, I guess as a psychologist, I wanted to talk a little bit more on the show about how healthy it is for men to be able to feel comfortable enough with themselves and who they are to explore themselves psychologically, you know, through sexual experiences. But again, we have to go for commercials. So we're going to talk about that after the commercials. I'm Dr. G. The number is 1-800-222-5222. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an alternative to drug and alcohol rehabilitation that allows you to recover in the privacy of your own home with an individualized program that meets your specific needs? Concierge Detox LA can be that alternative. Headed by medical addiction specialist Dr. Damon Raskin and clinical psychologist Dr. Howard Gloss, Concierge Detox LA will design an individualized program to meet your recovery needs. For more information, contact Concierge Detox LA at 323-935-9712. You're listening to The Solution with Dr. G and Dr. Damon Raskin. I'm Dr. G. We're back with the final segment of our show tonight of The Solution. We've been talking about how important is sex for a man. Um, This is what is great when you get a panel of experts. You never get a direct answer, but you get (laughs) deeper into the complexity of what the question is. And uh, that's what I love. But through that complexity, we're able to understand this is a rich issue. So I'm going to go to my panel and say, um, to answer the question of uh, how important is sex for a man, to just answer that bluntly, and then say uh, what their general opinion is about it based on some of the things we've been talking about tonight and some of the other thoughts they haven't had a chance to uh, express. If you want to call in, we still have some time to hear your opinions. Our number is 1-800-222-5222. We're at engage790 at gmail.com. So I'm going to start with Kelly Holland. How important is sex for a man? Um, I think it's consumingly important. I think it's important at a primal level, a biological level, a cultural level. The good news, what we have been discussing in various ways throughout this conversation, is that when you when you define sex now, you can open that up to all sorts of emotional engagements and intimacy, which is brilliant because that was not always traditionally part of the equation of the conversation. So, uh, and also issues like sexual identity that we talked Absolutely. about too. Um, and so, Kelly, if people wanted to find out more about your work or how they can get in touch with you, uh, how could they do so? Uh, Kelly at chickmedia.com in regards to launching the channels and then the other company that I'm now launching is my intimacy coach and my recovery coach which is telemedicine, teletherapy, telecoaching and and consultation. 
And uh, I, I find all that work very exciting because of the work I do. I'm in, very in, paralleled. Yes, very paralleled. And Dr. Gonzalez, how yes. important is sex for a man? Well, I, that's pretty much what I focus on for work. So I, in, in my practice, it's right. very important. Um, <laughs> that keeps you but, in business, yes, right? <laughs> but in general, I would say, you know, I, I would piggyback off of what Kelly said. I think it's... Um, it's for most men, again, we're, we're generalizing, but right. for most men, it is an important part of their life. Um, but I think we are, you know, what, what has come up tonight is that that we are in a moment in time where we're There's having to... There's a lot to, of change going on. Exactly. Where we're having to re rethink um, our sexual identities, both um, just as men and what um, and what sex entails and what sexual intimacy means. And, and I think that's, that's exciting. It's uncomfortable, but it's exciting. It's uncomfortable, it's exciting, and also what sexual identity means i mean it, it, it's you know I, I just saw a special on the uh lgbtq plus movement in utah hmm. I, it sounds like when but there was one section they went through all what all the pluses were and i have to say a lot of them i really was was fur you know looking up and see what right. things like binary fluid there's a lot of letters there's a lot of letters going on I actually think that's a good thing because I think t people take something that maybe was a little bit more solid and now they're making it a little more fluid and a little more complex. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I find that exciting. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Dr. Gonzalez, if people wanted to find out more about your work, how could they do so? Um, the, so the easiest way is probably just to go to my website, which is joshuagonzalezmd.com. I have a private practice in the L.A. area. Um, and you know, I, I focus primarily on male sexual health and female sexual health. So, um, re you can reach out to me through the, through the website. And I do want to remind our callers, if you miss any of this information, you can always contact me, Dr. G at Dr. Howard Gluss at live.com. And I will forward the information to our listeners. Uh, Mark, your thoughts about how important is sex for a man? Well, it's a fundamental drive. It's one of the core biological functions that we have as living beings. But at the same time, our relationship to it and the vitality of it is as diverse as our relationship to any other of our core functions. Think about how diverse people's relationships to something as simple as food is. I was just going to say that, yeah. yeah. I mean, we often throw diversity out as if it's some caveat as if it's something that is marginal but the diversity in the way we relate to sex is everything and the idea that we all can increasingly form our own relationships to sex and our own unique dynamics with it is an incredibly important thing about the flexibility of the moment yeah and i think as we accept a lot more of complexity in our society we're also going to be able to look at sexuality from a much more complex point of view and mark if people wanted to get in touch with you how could they do so well, I have a portfolio site at markehay.com, and uh, you can pretty much find dozens, if not hundreds, of articles on this subject there, as well as my contact information. And again, I'll remind our listeners, if you want to get that information, you can also contact me, Dr. Howard Gluss at live.com, and I will forward that information to you. Um, I have a couple callers here, so I'm going to start with Craig from L.A. Uh, Craig, I want to welcome you to the show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. <clears throat> I, I want to make comment a little bit uh, what you guys were talking about earlier. Uh, there's a lot of, about the Me Too movement, there's a lot of uh, people coming out and talking against toxic masculinity. 
And my question is, when women in the Me Too movement always say toxic masculinity is bad. However, whenever you ask a woman what type of men they're attracted to, it's always the bad boys that seem to be at the top of the list. Well, I'm going to ask so, Kelly Holland, who uh, is our female representative. Token woman here. I know. I know it's not Listen, fair. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we're as conf- I think that, that women are as conflicted uh, or equally conflicted with the degrees of the Me Too movement as men are. And, uh, and, and, and I, I understand that that is our dichotomy and that is the battle that we have. Uh, I, and I know Mark and I are in disagreement with this, but that is the battle we have over our, our more primal drives versus what we understand as being uh, appropriate in 2019 in terms of our, our sexual etiquette and, and our cultural etiquette. So um, I agree, and there's no easy answer, and there's no, there's, it, it is a matter of degree, not of, uh, not of a black and not, it's not a black and white issue. Uh, you know, we only have about three minutes left, but I just want to say, you know, it, it depends, I guess, also how you would define, I mean, some t- what a bad boy is. I mean, how bad is the bad boy? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the extreme. Yeah. Uh, one of the most prevalent fantasies for women is a safe, and I want to emphasize safe rape fantasy. I'm always it's always uncomfortable for me to talk about this when I'm on panels or I'm speaking with people, but that's just the facts, uh, and that I've, underpins. I've written about that. Yes, and that underpins, for example, every romance novel that's out there. What is the basis of the romance novel? The stranger that crawls through the window, the guy that rides up on the horse, the pirate that sweeps her away. You know, it's that's always this creepy. sort of yeah, it's, it's completely bit... creepy in the given what we know. But it's it's the safe rape fantasy. You why? And and this is this is at the heart of it is unfortunately we're not allowed to be the bad girls we want to be. It has to be quote unquote, and I'm air quoting now, forced on us, and that fantasy lets us become the, the bad, bad little the bad, the bad girls girl. that we want to be. Maybe that will change with the yes. Me Too movement as it evolves. Yes, Craig, absolutely. I want to thank you for calling in. I want to get in one more caller before the end of the show. Uh, so uh, uh, Richard. Richard is calling in from Beverly Hills, and Richard, you had a question for our panel. Oh yeah, great show! And uh, you know, I I would look at the uh, the movie Kinsley and came out in two thousand four. If you have any confusion Kinsey? about, yeah, Kinsey, yeah. Alfred Kinsey came out uh, with a movie. Uh, well, it was, it was study of sex, uh, male and with the United States and everybody. It's about uh, in two thousand nineteen forty eight. Uh, I think the study, but Master and Johnson has updated right. that. So people, yeah. that's the foundation of all people, as far as Americans. Well, I look at it, uh, what you want to be, what sex really is, what are you achieving, and you know, because it's it's everybody. What happens to everybody, and how they're fetish or whatever they're looking well, for, it's right there in that movie. You could look at it and say, okay, we're I'm that, I'm this, and you know, it, it even explores in the homosexuality. I'm a heterosexual male, but it it. Tells the conflict and everything else you could look at 
far yeah, as... Yeah, and what was so important about that, that movie is, um, from what I remember correctly, it was one of the first studies on sexuality, yeah. and it changed things dramatically. Uh, I want to thank everyone on our panel for coming on to the show. We can definitely talk for another few hours. I've learned so much about, mostly about the complexity about what we're talking about, and everyone's been able to bring their own personal expertise. So again, thank you very much for coming on the show, and what we've learned is that sex is very important for a male, and we'll be back next week. I'm Dr. G. This show furnished by Key Light Counseling Center.